past several weeks, we've been looking at our church's vision, which is move beyond. And although they have broader implications, up until last week, we had pretty much talked about things that are, are very personal in your faith and, and your personal growth and your personal walk uh, with, with Christ. But last week, uh, things got a little challenging because we encourage you to move beyond yourself pretty much uh, to invest your life in someone else. In other words, if you are a growing Christian, we encourage you to invest your life in someone who hasn't maybe grown quite as far uh, as you have. It, it kind of goes like this. As a disciple, and a disciple is a person who has devoted his or her life not to just learning about Jesus, but rather to becoming like Jesus, we encourage that person who is also involved in discipleship which is a systematic and progressive rearrangement of everything to that end, to take on the responsibility of, being, of discipling or to disciple, and that means to train and teach those who are younger in the faith. That's a big responsibility. One of the things we mentioned last week was that if, if you really feel like that would be something you would, would really feel called to do, uh, to disciple someone else who's younger than you in the faith, and you're really having trouble finding someone that maybe would be a good match for you, we, I said to come talk to me, and we'd try to, to find someone that, that needed that help. But by the same token, if maybe you're struggling in your, in your growth, and you really would like someone to work with you and to disciple you, uh, come see me as well, and we'll see what we can do about getting people uh, paired up. This week, you've heard it said in communities, you've heard it said in families, you've heard it said in churches. I just wish we could all just get along. Just wish we could all just get along. Now, <laughs> that's well meaning. And that's noble, and it's well-intentioned. But at the same time, I believe it falls well short of really what Christ wants us to be about in our relationships. In fact, it's not even close. For instance, there are two problems I have with it. One is just the word just. Just get along. There's something undone about that. There's something that falls kind of short or unfinished or is, or is incomplete about just. For instance, if I'm returning a book that I borrowed from you and I walk in your, your office or your, or your home and, and there's a bookshelf and, and I say to you, do, do you want me to, to put this back on the bookshelf? And you say, no, just leave it there on the table. You see, there's just something not complete about that. It was just kind of halfway, just. So just get along. It's like, mm, not quite. But get along, even that phrase I have problems with. Because you know what get along means? It means to manage or to cope or to tolerate. Can't we all just cope with one another? Can't we all just tolerate one another? That's what you're saying when you say, can't we all just get along? Yeah, I get along with John over there. Don't like him. He's a scoundrel. No, we tolerate each other. That's not what the Bible teaches. And that's not God's intention for us. In fact, I don't know of any translation of the Bible where you will find the phrase, just get along. Actually, Eugene Peterson, who is much smarter than I, but who has done a paraphrase of Scripture called a message, he uses the term uh, get along quite often. 
I have a little problem with that because he uses it for phrases uh, like live at peace and of one mind and one voice and agree with one another. And he kind of paraphrases that as, as to get along. But I think those terms have such deeper meaning. For example, 1 Corinthians 1.10 says, I appeal to you, brothers and sisters, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that, you, that all of you agree with one another in what you say, and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be perfectly united in mind and thought. Somehow, when Paul wrote that, I don't think he meant, y'all just get along. There's a much deeper and richer meaning to that. And we will never know what our communities could be like or our families could be like, or our relationships could be like, if all we're about is, well, let's just get along. If that's your attitude, there's something that's missing. There's some ingredient that's missing in your relationships. And that ingredient is forgiveness. Because what happens is, if you say, well, we're getting along, what that means is you've taken a broken relationship... And you've put some paint on it, and you dressed it up a little bit, and maybe you've sprayed some perfume on it, but underneath, there's still rot and decay, because you've never dealt with the issue. So if you say, well, we're getting along, what that means is we're tolerating each other, but forgiveness has never been a part of the equation. And so what I think for us, as we look to move beyond, we are never going to be able to move beyond our hard feelings. We're never going to be able to move beyond our hurts. We are never going to be able to move beyond feelings of resentment if we just go at it from the sanitized version of, well, we'll just get along. No, what the Bible wants us to do, and the example we're going to look at here in just a few moments, is not to get along, but it's to deal honestly with your feelings and to practice forgiveness in your relationships. Just getting along isn't good enough. And actually, forgiveness is not the ultimate goal, but we'll get to that here in just a few minutes. Forgiveness is a step. Look at your life. Look at your life. If you have been alive longer than 10 seconds, somebody at some point in your life will offend you. They will. They'll offend you. They'll hurt your feelings. They'll say things about you. They'll do things to you, some things that are even unspeakable. It's going to happen in your life to varying degrees, but at some point you will be treated unfairly. All of those things will happen to you at some point in your life. And what you can do is you have two choices. You can choose to forgive or you can choose not to forgive. Get along is not one of the choices. It's either you're going to forgive or you're not going to forgive. If you choose get along, you haven't forgiven. That's the way it works. The choice is up to you. It doesn't depend on whether or not the other person comes to you first. It really doesn't matter the degree to which that person has hurt you. The choice to forgive depends on you. 100%. It's your responsibility. When you wait for the other person, basically what happens is 
nobody moves. <laughs> now, people will say, well, but forgiveness is hard. Actually, it's not. Forgiveness is the easy choice. I'll tell you why. You have a choice to live in freedom or you have a choice to live in bondage. Which are you going to choose? Which are you going to choose? Freedom or bondage? <laughs> You're going to choose freedom. The issue is forgiveness leads to freedom. Failing to forgive leads to bondage. So the choice is easy. The choice is easy. I'm going to choose freedom. I'm going to choose forgiveness. Failure to forgive always leads to bondage. Leads to feelings of resentment. You know what resentment means? Resentment means to feel again. In other words, when you, when you have resentment in your life, what you're doing is you're clinging to the past and you are reliving every day over and over and over and over again whatever event it was that hurt you. When you have resentment, you think you're doing harm to the other person, but you're doing harm to yourself because you are bound, you are held prisoner by that feeling, by that hurt that you live over and over and over again every day. Who wants to live like that? Who wants to live like that, really? I don't. When you fail to forgive, it also leads to revenge, to get even, or to make them pay. Well, revenge, the Bible says, is not ours. It doesn't belong to us. The Bible says it belongs to God. We can't have it. But we try anyway, thinking it'll free us or it'll make us happy. Well, if you're trying to do that with something that doesn't belong to you in the first place, you're never going to be happy. It's just not, it's impossible to happen. It belongs to God. It's not yours, and you can't be happy with it because it doesn't belong to you. The other thing is to get even. This is my favorite. Somebody's hurt you really bad. They are 100% at fault, okay? You had nothing to do with it. It was their fault. The dirty, rotten scoundrels, it was their fault. Okay, you're here, right? They're down here. They're not budging. They're not sorry. They're not budging. What do you have to do to get even? You have to come down here. Now, that accomplishes a lot, right? Now you got two people who are wrong. That doesn't solve anything. But yet, you're, you're bound by that. That desire to, I'm going to get even. I'm going to hurt them. No, you're not. You're going to hurt yourself. And then, I'm going to make them pay. You know, if you think about it, Repayment a lot of times is really impossible. I mean, what can you demand? What can you demand is repayment from somebody that ruined your marriage? What can you demand is repayment? What can you demand as repayment for someone who ruined your reputation? What can you demand as repayment for somebody who hurt your child? In reality, few sins can really be paid for. And so making things right many times 
is just simply not possible. But we're determined to do it. So we are held in bondage. We are prisoners to resentment, to getting even, to revenge, and all of those things. There's nothing freeing about those. Nothing at all. And in the end, instead of satisfaction, what you find is not only does nothing get settled, but it's your mental and spiritual health that suffers. It's your physical health that suffers. You've seen people so consumed with revenge, so consumed with resentment, while the other person goes merrily along. And it's that person who ends up with the illnesses, both spiritual and physical. But you can be free from it. Now, I said that forgiveness was easy. Okay, I'll admit it. The choice between freedom and bondage is easy. The act of forgiveness, I'll admit, it can be difficult because we're human. We're human. It can be difficult, but, but how do we go about it? How do we go about forgiving others? We just follow the biblical example. There's a principle. Uh, the Bible says in, in Colossians 3.13, it says, Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. If you are a Christian, if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, here is how God forgave you. First of all, God took the initiative. 2 Corinthians 5.19 says, For God was in Christ, reconciling the world to himself, no longer counting people's sins against them. God was at work. God took the initiative. Even though sin separates us from God, even though we are the ones who sinned, God took the initiative. God didn't write us off. God's desire was not to get even. God's desire was to reconcile us, to bring us back to himself. In the first book of the Bible, man sinned against God. It was man's fault, 100%. Man sinned. That sin separated man from God. The relationship was broken. Man had no way to repair it. It's broken. So does God end it right there? Does God write us off? Does God say, I'm done with these people? No. No, the rest of the Bible is about God trying to find a way that our feeble minds would get to, re to come back to God. Throughout the Old Testament, you can say, well, God punished those people. Well, punishment was involved, but God's whole, whole thought was redemptive. He wanted them to come back to him, to come back to him. He wanted to restore the relationship. That's what God was about. He didn't wait for us to take the first move. Very simply, because we couldn't. It's impossible for us to take the first move. We are the guilty ones, but God took the first move. He took the initiative. The second thing is, God willingly, willingly gave up his right to get even. I didn't come up with that. Bill Yancey writes about it in one of his books. But he says that God gave up his right to get even. Listen to this, Colossians 1, 19 and 20. It says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood 
shed on the cross. God is pure and holy. We are sinful. God had every right to execute justice. He had every right to do that. But instead, he chose to become a man in Jesus Christ. He chose to take our sins upon himself and die on a cross. And when he did that, God, in essence, is giving up his right to get even in favor of mercy and grace. And here is the thing for you and me. When we accept the forgiveness that God gives to us, when we come to him and when we confess that we are sinners, when we accept his gift of salvation, what we are doing is we are giving up our right to get even with anybody else. You cannot truly understand or truly accept the forgiveness that God gives to you if you are going to harbor your right to get even. Once you come to Christ, once you accept his forgiveness, you have given up your right to get even with anyone else. And the third thing is that God revises his feelings toward us. Colossians 1, 21 and 22 says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight without blemish and free from accusation. God found a way to justify us. When he looks at us, those of us who have come to him, have confessed our sins, have repented of our sins, have, have accepted his gift of salvation. When he looks at us, God no longer sees us as those dirty, nasty, evil people that I just happen to be kind enough to forgive. No. He looks at us in an entirely different way. It says here, he looks at us without blemish, and free from accusation. He no longer looks at us as his enemies. He doesn't look at us as people who are against him. He looks at us, Scripture tells us, as his children, as his family. And here it is for us. When we forgive as God forgives, We can no longer look at the other person as, well, he's still a cheat. He's still nasty. He's still against me. But I'm going to forgive him. But I'm not going to trust him. That's not what the Bible says about God. Yes, you can argue it all you want to, you can come up with reasons why this isn't true. It is forgive and forget. You can't get around it. I'm going to forgive him, but I'm not going to forget what he did to me. Then you haven't forgiven him. I'm going to forgive him, but I'll never trust him again. Then you haven't forgiven him. Because if we are to forgive as God forgives us, the scripture tells us that when, when God forgives our sins, they are gone. It's as if they never were there in the first place. So we can't forgive as God forgives us when we're still going to, in the back of our mind, 
I remember what he did. I'm going to forgive him, but I'm not going to trust him. You didn't forgive him. You didn't forgive him. That's not what the Bible teaches. And it's hard for us. But if we're going to forgive as God forgave us, we have to take the initiative. We have to give up our right to get even. And we have to revise our feelings toward other people. Because to do any less is not to forgive as God forgave us. To do any less, at best, is just to get along. But remember, just getting along is not forgiveness. It's a sanitized version of I still hold a grudge. But like I said, forgiveness really isn't the ultimate goal. It's a bridge. When you're living over here and and your resentment and your hurts and your grudges, forgiveness is the bridge to get you where you need to be. Because if we have truly moved beyond If we've truly moved beyond our feelings, if we've truly moved beyond just getting along, if we've gone through the process of forgiveness, then we'll know that we've truly moved beyond when this happens. 1 John 4, beginning in verse 7. It says, Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. Love is the true test of our faith. And if we claim to be followers of Jesus Christ, if we claim to have a personal relationship with God, then love is what we should exhibit. Verse 9 says, this is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us. And sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. God surrendered his right to get even. But here's something else about this. God likes you too. How many of you ever said, I love him, but I don't like him? No, you don't. You don't. If you say that, you don't love him. You think you do, but you don't. God loves us, and he likes us too, okay? He says to love. This is love. Not that we loved him, but that he loved us, and he gave his son's atoning sacrifice for our sins, and here it is. Here it is. You've listened to all this for this, okay? Verse 11. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we ought also, we also ought to love one another. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. Not just get along. Let's pray.